Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and I have yet another fantastic guest for you today. I've had some uh, brand new guests over the last several weeks, and I've had some recurring or, or returning, I should say, guests. And uh, this gentleman that we're going to have on today will be on for his third time on Vitality Radio. You have probably heard of him because the two episodes he has done with me have been two of my very most listened to and downloaded episodes ever. His name is Dr. Dale Bredesen. Before we get into that and I introduce him, though, I want to remind you of how you can get in touch with us if you have questions about anything you hear on the show you just call us at 801-292-6662 that's 801-292-6662 you can also reach out to us on our website vitalitynutrition.com where we have a handy chat feature if you want to ask questions there and uh, we've got way more than an hour-long show's worth of information to go over, so I'm not going to dilly-dally much longer. Let me go ahead and introduce you to what we're going to talk about, and then I'll tell you who we're speaking with today. We're going to talk about neurodegeneration. We're going to talk about those uh, diseases that nobody ever would wish on their worst enemy, things like Alzheimer's and dementia. We're going to talk about what I think is maybe the most exciting area of research that we have right now uh, in nutrition and in health across the board, and that is the prevention of and reversal of these types of conditions. And the man standing at the forefront of that is my guest, Dr. Dale Bredesen, graduated from Caltech and received his MD from Duke. He served as pres a resident and chief resident in neurology at UCSF, then postdoctoral fellow with Nobel laureate Professor Stanley Prusiner. He was the founding president of the Buck Institute for Research on Aging. He's been doing this for years, and I think besides having him on my show, my favorite thing that he's ever produced is the book, The End of Alzheimer's, which is absolutely fascinating. If you've not read it, uh, you absolutely should look into it. Dr. Bredesen, welcome back to Vitality Radio. Great to be back with you, Jared. Thanks. Okay, so let's talk, since it's been a little while since you've been on the show, since I know the, the uh, research is ongoing, let's talk about what the latest is on the research in prevention of and reversal of neurodegeneration. Yeah, so much going on right now. And uh, I, let me start by saying uh, it, Alzheimer's is now optional. Um, and I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people, but here's why I say that. If you, get, if you get involved, if you get started when you are asymptomatic or when you, during the period of SCI, virtually everybody does well. We've not had a single person go on prevention yet who then went later and got dementia. So that's the first thing. So we recommend anyone who's 40 years of age or older, please get on active prevention. Please get on what we would call pre-code, get a cognoscopy. We all know when you turn 50, what do you do? You get a colonoscopy. 
but let's not forget about your brain. So if you're 40 or over, please get a cognoscopy and that's easy to do. It's some basic blood tests. It's a simple online cognitive assessment. Uh, and it is, if you're already having symptoms, you want to include an MRI with volumetrics. But if you are not experiencing symptoms, you don't need that. So do some basics there. Now, when you go and get dementia, you go through four phases. First two phases are where you are asymptomatic, as I just mentioned. And then the second phase is SCI, subjective cognitive impairment. It lasts about 10 years. So you can see we have a huge window to help people. Virtually 100% of these people do well. Now, the third stage of four is called mild cognitive impairment, MCI. In our trial, 84% of those people still got better. But as you go farther and farther along, it's harder and harder to do that. The fourth and final stage is called dementia. And some of those people get better, but again, it's harder and harder the farther and farther you go. So we recommend, please, everybody do that. If you get in there early, this is why we say Alzheimer's is now optional. Get in early, get treated, reversal if you're already an SCI, uh, prevention if you're not an SCI yet, and, and uh, you know 100% of those people do very well. That's the future. And then you know with, we, we've got a trial that's just, just starting up. It's at six sites. It is in Hollywood, Florida. It's in Nashville, Tennessee. It's in Cleveland, Ohio. It's in Sacramento, California. Uh, it's in the East Bay, Oakland, California, and then San Francisco, California. So if you're within one hour drive of any of those sites, please let us know. Um, we are uh, signing up people who have uh, MCI and early dementia. So you can see we're even, uh, we are doing this trial for people in the relatively late stages simply because that's where drug trials are done this is a precision medicine protocol trial, so it's different, but it, has, it is what has led to the best results of any to date, better than any drug so far for Alzheimer's disease. Fantastic. Well, that's really, really interesting. And for, for those of you listening, I know a lot of people are driving down the road right now listening to this show. In the uh, show description, we'll list those sites uh, for you so that you can take a look at that. And we'll list, uh, we'll give you some links on how you can get more information on the trial. So I do want to, there's a couple of things that you talked about there that I think are pretty important that people are going to have questions about. The cognoscopy, um, you told us what it is, but how does someone get that? Very easily. Go to mycognoscopy.com and it'll take you right to it. So it's easy to do uh, and easy to get signed up for. And again, we recommend it everybody 40 or over because we all want to make sure that we could stay sharp to 100. That's the goal. Fantastic. Okay, so that's that part is is part one. And then can you talk just a little bit about what you what you said, how this trial is different than a drug trial? Uh, what are you yeah. actually testing? That's a great point. So, you know, it's, it's so interesting to me. All drug trials to date have been the same sort of thing. We tell you ahead of time what we're going to use. We're going to use for everybody, you know, this drug, it's typically at a specific uh, dose. Uh, so you're telling the people ahead of time what's going to happen without knowing what's causing their cognitive decline. So we flip the script here. And the question here is, what's driving your cognitive decline? So we start by looking at all the different drivers. We look at hundred different, uh, over 100 different things. So we're looking at, do you have insulin resistance? 
Do you have exposure to mycotoxins, for example? Do you have leaky gut? Do you have specific infections such as herpes simplex, P. gingivalis that are associated with cognitive decline? These are organisms that are found in the brains of patients with cognitive decline. So we look at all these things and determine for each person, what are the drivers? And it's typically several, it's typically not just one. And then we address those things with a precision medicine sort of protocol. So if you have change in your oral microbiome, we're going to address that. If you have abscesses that have been undiagnosed, we're going to address that. If you have Lyme disease that's been undiagnosed or other tick-borne infections, we're going to address those. Uh, if you have changes in your immune system, we're going to address those. If you have sleep apnea, we're going to address that. All of these things are critical determinants. And when we look at the fundamental drivers of cognitive decline, they really can be boiled down into two major categories. It's energetics and it's ongoing inflammation or things that activate your innate immune system and especially the memory component of your innate immune system. So if you've got too much activation of the innate immune system and or too little energy supporting your brain, you are at risk for cognitive decline. So therefore we wanna target those things. If you've got sleep apnea, we wanna target that. If you've got vascular disease, we wanna target that. And the great news is we've had tremendous results, the best results of any in history, by going after those major contributors, identifying them, and then addressing them. So that's how this is fundamentally different than drug trials. And let me add one other thing. The recent drug trials, whether you're talking about lecanemab or donanemab or aducanemab, these have not made people better. That's an important fundamental distinction. What they're showing is instead of going down, uh, don't, going down rapidly, you're going down slightly less rapidly by 22% in one trial, 27% in another trial, and 36%. So all it's doing is slowing the decline. Now, here are the things that actually did better than those drugs. Number one, extra virgin olive oil by itself because it actually improved some cognition. Number two, what's so-called, well, ketones, another one. Ketones, just exogenous ketones. This is the work of Professor Stephen Kinane from Canada. Very nice studies on people with MCI. Number three, what's called combined metabolic activators. So these, again, they're addressing the energetics. And then the best of all of them is Recode, what we developed, the approach that we're now going to be testing once again in a randomized controlled trial. So in one case, you're doing this, with the trial, you're doing that. That's the fundamental distinction. Wow. So, yeah, well, and that's a massive distinction. But the thing that I think is the most fascinating about that, and, and maybe it shouldn't be fascinating, but it is unusual, as you stated, is that you're actually treating each patient where they are. Uh, you're not saying, okay, the illness is Alzheimer's or cognitive decline, and therefore, all people in that category are the same, so we'll treat them all the same. You're actually taking them as individuals, which I absolutely love. Yeah, and it, you know, doesn't it make sense? You know, if, if you said, look, we have a, a hundred different companies and we wanna give one drug that makes every company go into the black. They're all in the red. We wanna put them all in the black. We want them to do well. And we're gonna give one drug that does that. You'd say, no, each company is having problems for a different reason. 
um, you know, the company that's got someone uh, stealing, <laughs> stealing their money and another company that's got poor management and another company that's paying too much for the, the space that they're renting. I mean, these are different things. So you've got to address the things that are actually giving you a problem. And that's exactly what we do with these trials. Yeah, I, I love that. That's really exciting. So yeah, definitely we'll get the information from you on how people can look into that more and we'll get that put in the show description for everybody listening. Okay, so we've covered how, uh, and we'll have a link for the mycognoscopy as well, so you can easily yeah. find that. Uh, so what else is going on right now? Before we started talking, you told me that you were really excited about a new clinic, I believe it is, yes. that's opening up. Tell us about that. Yeah, this is a great point, you know, and I've wanted to do this for years. Uh, and so finally, we have an opportunity to do uh, the, the, the big goal here is we need a place for people around the world, anyone who gets a neurodegenerative condition, whether it is macular degeneration, Alzheimer's, pre-Alzheimer's, uh, you know, any frontotemporal dementia, Lewy body disease, a progressive supranuclear palsy, corticobasal degeneration, all you just go right down the list. These have all been untreatable illnesses. And indeed, this is the area of greatest biomedical therapeutic failure. As has been said, we all know someone who's a cancer survivor, but no one knows an Alzheimer's survivor. Well, of course, now we're seeing them, we're publishing them, we're seeing it again and again. And by the way, we now have people who are over a decade on our protocol who have sustained their improvement for over a decade. So really excited about that. We're seeing the first survivors of Alzheimer's, which is why I wrote the book, The First Survivors of Alzheimer's. And these people actually wrote their stories. But we've never had a place like, okay, where do these people come? If you're sitting in New Jersey and now you're starting to have twitches in your muscles and someone says, your neurologist says, you know, you're in the early stages of ALS. You know, there's nothing to do. So we're now setting up the first place where there is validated hope for these various neurodegenerative diseases, where we can look for each of these, just as we do in Alzheimer's. We look at what's driving this. We look at your microbiome, your gut microbiome. We look at your oral microbiome. We're looking at toxins you've been exposed to in all this. And this will be set up, my hope is it will be set up by the end of this year or in early 2024. Uh, and this will be at the Pacific Neuroscience Institute in Los Angeles. Very excited about this. This is an institute founded by neurosurgeon Dr. Dan Kelly. And within that, there is the Pacific Brain Health Center, which is run by Dr. David Merrill, uh, who's actually an early adopter of our protocol. And so I've been talking to, uh, to, to Dave and to Dan just recently, and the plan now is to establish this new center. Now, we're in early discussions, so it's going to take, again, it's going to take a few months to get this up and running. Um, we're going to have to, uh, you know, we have to raise some support for it, but we're very excited about this because it will be the first of its kind. It will be the first place to offer validated hope for these neurodegenerative conditions. And by the way, we all already in some separate studies uh, have some suggestive early results in dry macular degeneration, people who are in the early stages, where again, there just has been virtually nothing that helps. There's something called AREDS2, but as they say, instead of losing 13 lines of vision, you lose 12 lines of vision. So the effects are pretty minimal there. So I'm very enthusiastic. This is the future. 
where we will be able to have people with all these degenerative diseases. And by the way, one of the functions of this place will be to combine the precision medicine with various good-looking drug candidates where we can now target specific things, but it'll be using the right drug for the right person under the right circumstances instead of just saying, let's have this across-the-board approach that has nothing to do with why you got the problem. So I think you know this is a new era now in neurodegenerative disease evaluation and treatment. Well, that's incredibly exciting because, as I've stated on many of my shows, including ones that I've done with you, that's a major concern for me because of family history issues that we have. And uh, I, I would say if, if you had to pick a a thing to be concerned about, uh, you know, Alzheimer's and all of these uh, other neurodegenerative d- diseases trump so many other things that yeah. that I can think of. And so having a, uh, not just the fact that you're doing new trials, that you're uh, testing this and learning more and getting better at it, but that there will actually be a center that is focused on it uh, solely is is really, really exciting. Yeah. So you've got a lot uh, a lot of information for us here, and of course, n- not nearly enough time to share all of it. I want to mention to the listeners that you have been on the show two other times. We'll link to both of those episodes uh, in the show description because I there are questions that you want me to ask Dr. Bredesen right now that I'm not going to ask because I asked him before. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're already there. We've got them on record uh, in terms of uh, a lot of different things. We talked a lot about diet. We talked a lot about exercise. We talked about a lot about those other things on previous episodes. So please go back and listen to those episodes. You'll get that information. But now I have one thing. Oh, go ahead. Quickly on the diet, since you mentioned the diet. So we there something fundamentally has changed in that area. Oh, okay. So as you, we've talked about before, the diet that has worked best for brain support is called KetoFlex 12-3. So this is a diet that is a plant-rich, multicolored, uh, high-fiber, mildly ketogenic diet with appropriate periods of fasting at night. And it's actually now available for delivery. So we worked actually with, uh, with Nutrition for Longevity, N4L. They've done a fantastic job. They've done other diets as well. Uh, such as fasting mimicking diet from Dr. Walter Longo, and so they now have for order. You can actually get uh, you can actually get KetoFlex 12-3. So I think that's a, a really help. I'm I'm grateful to them for putting this together to make sure because it's hard to get all the right things to get the grass-fed beef that you actually need to get the you know organic and uh, hormone-free chicken and all that to get the appropriate vegetables uh, that are organic to get all the right things, the pastured eggs. Um, it's hard to get all these things together and to do it at a reasonable pricing. Uh, so I'm, I'm really grateful uh, to them for putting this together. Well, I'm going to have to look into that. That's really interesting because you're right. One of the things that I know is is challenging for people, especially when they're getting new information for the first time like this, is you know there's a lot of questions about where to start, uh, feeling overwhelmed about well, how am I going to do all of this? So any of these tools that make it easier, uh, especially when it comes to diet, because let's face it, uh, the American diet is an absolute disaster in most cases. Yeah. And so having something laid out there that that makes it more accessible, I think is is great. So I guess we're going to have to link to that in the show description as well. <laughs> a lot of good information to link to. Lots of good information. Yeah. 
so yeah, so KetoFlex uh, 12.3 from, uh, from Nutrition for Longevity. Uh, really, I'm really excited that, that they have put this together. Yeah, that is uh, very interesting. So like I say, we will definitely link to that as well. And I'm going to have to look into that myself. That's, uh, I, I didn't even know that was, that was available. And yeah, of course, uh, started. and I've tried, and actually I've had two weeks of it myself, uh, really enjoyed it. And then I checked my ketones and actually they went up on this. So I'm very happy about that. So yeah, again, um, I, it, it has made it much easier because the most common concern I've had from people is they say, you know, wait a minute, you're asking me to change my diet, my fundamentally, you know, what I'm eating every day. It's, it's not that easy. Okay, now, so this is making it very easy. Uh, and you can, you know, do it for a while, help to get yourself into ketosis. Um, and then you can kind of cycle on and off uh, and, uh, you know, take some, you know, take some breaks. One of the things they've done that's nice is they give meals for a week where then the weekend you can do something different and then go back on. So it helps you to get the appropriate detox. It helps you to get the appropriate fiber, helps to get appropriate, very low, uh, you know, no, non-toxic uh, diet, get away from things like glyphosate and the various mm -hmm. uh, uh, insecticides and herbicides that are on so many of these vegetables and things like that. So uh, again, uh, I think they did a great job. Well, yeah, that sounds very, very appealing for sure. So you did mention something I'm really curious about. You you said this has been the most successful uh, of the various diet plans for people yes. with cognitive decline. Uh, what else has been studied uh, when it comes to uh, diet and cognitive decline that either did or didn't work well? Great point. So the common thing, so, so people have looked at uh, you know, high protein diets, high fiber, I mean, or high fiber and high uh, simple or high uh, complex carb diets, the ones that have come out and worked the best, uh, but that, that, but they failed in one area. So if you look at the biochemistry of what does it take to make and keep synapses, uh, this again is about energetics and about inflammation. So the Mediterranean diet and the so-called mind diet have both done pretty well, but neither one of those, and there's a lot published on both of those, neither one of those actually gets you into ketosis. That's been the thing that's been missing from these. And neither one uh, requires periods of fasting. So what you really wanna do in a perfect world, you wanna make it so that you are insulin sensitive, so that, that's a big problem. Uh, what, so what happens, your brain has two things that it runs on. It needs to have either glucose or it needs to have ketones. And unfortunately, as we get over 40, what's happening to many people is you lose both of those. And in fact, you really have an energetic emergency. You're, you're failing because what happens is you're not using glucose as well because of your insulin resistance, because of our processed food, high carb, toxic diets, unfortunately, that are the standard American diet. So now you've lost that arm. And in fact, if you do a PET scan, that's what Alzheimer's signature is, a reduced glucose utilization in the temporal and parietal regions of the brain. Then what it takes to make ketones, when you're starving, you will break down fats and produce ketones. The problem is if your insulin is high, which it is for so many of us because of these high carb diets, the high insulin actually actively prevents your body 
from making ketones. So you really have a terrible scenario where you can't utilize ketones and you can't utilize glucose and you're kind of sputtering along. Now you have to be careful. If you just say, well, I'm just gonna starve myself until I'm insulin sensitive again. Remember, the cognitive decline is really about energetic insufficiency and activation of inflammation. So you can't go that way because now you don't have enough supply. What you have to do is restore insulin sensitivity and restore ketosis. So what we do at the beginning of the trials, we just say, just take exogenous ketones. Just take whether you take some MCT oil, which you, you, which is great for people who don't have vascular disease. If you have vascular disease, just take some KE1 or, or take some uh, ketone salts or esters. That's fine. That way you've got that part of the equation satisfied. And then over time, you will become insulin sensitive. In the long run, you want to be metabolically flexible once again, so that you're now able to go back and forth between glucose, ketones. So you're doing ketones really while you're sleeping and while you're fasting. And then you're doing your glucose when you're eating. Another big thing that's come out since we've talked last uh, is the is the fructose uh, is the fructose report, and then I think it's again good for anyone to check on this. This is the work of Professor Rick Johnson, who is from University of Colorado. He published a paper just a couple of months ago, and actually, both David Perlmutter and I are co-authors on this paper, along with several other people as well. And what Rick has shown with his beautiful research over the years is an interesting paradox, and that is. When you take in a lot of fructose and you do that, you know, this is, a, this is not to say you eat a piece of fruit. That's fine. That's great. Fruit's good. And it's, it's going to give you some nice fiber as well. But what happens with animals as we uh, get toward winter, we know that we're going to go for a period without much food. So there's an evolutionary phenomenon where, in fact, you, they eat like hundreds of pieces of fruit. And of course, we're getting it through high fructose corn syrup and through poor diets. And it, what it does is it triggers a metabolic pathway in your body that number one, stores fats because it thinks you're going to have winter. So now you're storing fat and you have all the problems that go along with fat storage, adipokines and inflammation and all that. Not to mention, you know, you know, losing your, you know, feeling good and, and being in good shape. But here's the, the real problem. Because it thinks winter is coming, it dials down your energy. Even though you've just taken in fructose, a sugar, you're dialing down your ATP. And as he showed, it's about 15% or so. Well, for all of us who are like right on the edge, oh my gosh, we now have less energy to support our brains. And we're now so we're increasing our likelihood of cognitive decline. So this is one of the reasons, and he points out that it's you just go right down the list. All the things that are associated with high fructose are associated with Alzheimer's disease. It's a reduction in ATP. It's a specific change in specific areas of the brain. It's amazing the similarities there. And as he points out, you activate that same pathway by taking in a lot of fructose, which so many of us are, go out and eat some candy, you know, all these things with high fructose corn syrup, 
Number two, you do it by taking in too much glucose because you convert the glucose to fructose. And number three, you can do the, uh, activate the same pathway by having too much salt. So any of these things can do that. So again, we're seeing more and more accurately what is putting us, so many of us at risk. As I, you know, and I talked about in the past, 45 million of the currently living Americans will die of Alzheimer's if we don't do something about it. So it really dwarfs the COVID-19 pandemic where, of course, over 1 million Americans have now died. Yeah, it's it, it, it is something that it, I think what kind of stands out to me, Dr. Bredesen, is that we we are very much in a society where we've been almost trained to wait until something goes wrong before we go to fix it. Yes. Uh, and most of us are feeling the aches and pains, or in this case, the memory loss, or whatever it is before we're ever actually doing anything about it. And the very top of the show, you said, if you're over 40, even if you're asymptomatic, do yes. something about it, right? And absolutely. I absolutely love that advice because what one of the things that's fascinating about your work is that it does look like this stuff can be reversed and the earlier in, the more likely you are to be able to reverse it and maybe the easier it is to reverse it. But my goodness, it's so much easier to just prevent it in the first place, right? Yes. And as we talked about earlier, those first two stages, so asymptomatic, we can absolutely, if you do the right things, we figure out what your risk factors are, we can absolutely prevent you from having cognitive decline in the future. I always ask the doctors we work with, we've trained over 2,000 of them now, and I always ask, have you seen anyone yet who went on active prevention, did the right thing, but still developed dementia? No one has seen it yet. Now, maybe 20 years down the road, we'll see. But the good news is we can be pretty sure that, yeah, for the vast majority of people, we can prevent this problem. Second thing, when you go into the SCI, subjective cognitive impairment, virtually 100% of those people will get better, again, if they do the right thing. So especially those two phases, please get in, get on active prevention, or if you have some symptoms, don't wait. Everything's been backward in this field because people thought there was nothing you could do about it. So they said, yeah, it's probably not Alzheimer's. Don't bother to go in until you're having major problems. This was like, you. Know, if you remember the first few weeks of the pandemic, they said there are too many people in the ER. So don't come in until you actually have problems breathing. Oh my gosh, that's the worst thing you can do with COVID-19. Go in early, get treated early. Yeah. So the same thing is going, you know, has happened with Alzheimer's disease. Wait until it's really late because just hope that it's not Alzheimer's because there's nothing we can do about it anyway. That is really 20th century thinking. And we want to move into 21st century thinking. Much yeah. more successful. And ac across the board, not just with Alzheimer's, of course, prevention right. is really the key to all of this. All right. So we do have uh, we have about 20 minutes left with you. Mm -hmm. And one of the, there's a couple of questions that I get asked a lot uh, at Vitality that I want to make sure that you uh, have a chance to answer for us. The first one is with you, you, you say SCI, right? Subjective cognitive uh, yes. decline issues. 
what is, would you say, normal? I have a lot of people ask me, well, isn't it normal? I'm 50 and now I'm not remembering where my keys are as often. Or I'm 50 and I'm having a harder time remembering people's names. Or whatever the symptoms might be. What's normal age-related memory loss is what people ask me versus what should I be concerned about? You know, this is such a good point because it's so hard for us to step back and say, you know what? We realize that what's normal is sick. Um, that's <laughs> sad. But because of our diets, because of our lifestyles, because of our exposures, we are living in a, a, an era in which most of us, after the age of about 40 or so, are sick. When I was on the National Aging Council uh, years ago, there was a beautiful study by an epidemiologist there who showed that in the United States, we as an average population develop our first chronic illness in our 40s, whereas in Europe, they don't develop their first chronic illness into their late 50s and even in some countries uh, that have long uh, longevities, things like France and Italy, and more into the 60s. Uh, what he did was he compared the UK to the US. And what they showed was that in the UK, it was almost a decade later, even though the UK doesn't have tremendous uh, longevity. In fact, it's fairly similar to the US. So what was happening is in the US, we get hypertension or type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes uh, or you know, other problems uh, when you know, uh, high cholesterol, uh, you know, problems like that, you may have uh, some people, of course, even will have a heart attack in their 40s. So you may have your first problem in your 40s, but because of the American healthcare system, now they're pouring all these drugs, they're doing everything possible. We spend a huge amount, about 20% of our GDP, to keep sick people alive until a certain age. And we're fairly poor in the global uh, uh, longevity pool. We're in the like 42nd or so, varying a little bit year to year, but we're about in the 42nd place. 41 countries ahead of us, most of which spend far, far less than we do for health care. In the UK, again, it's in your 50s, but they don't spend as much on health care. And we end up dying at about the same time. This is really scary. And it shows that a lot of us are living with chronic illness. And it may be chronic mild illness, but we're living with chronic illness. So you pointed out, what's normal? Is it normal to start losing your cognition? Well, I'll tell you something. If you do the optimal things, even when you think it's normal to lose a little of your cognition, you're going to notice that your cognition is much better. People who have normal cognition actually score better, do better when they do the right things, when they get on to we, what we developed for prevention was called pre-code, prevention of cognitive decline. When people get on that, they find that they actually score better, do better. And again, we hear this all the time. So when you say what's normal, unfortunately, what's normal is, uh, is, is ill, illness. Yeah. Uh, and it's unfortunately in the United States, it's chronic illness starting in your 40s on average, which is really, un really sad. We all know someone who's gotten to, you know, whether they're at 80, 90 or 100, and we're like, wow, they're really sharp. Yes, they've been doing the right things. They're keeping themselves sharp. So our goal is to reduce the global burden of dementia. And by getting people on prevention and early reversal, get people to 100 
and stay sharp to 100. And so you may notice some changes. Uh, you may have trouble remembering phone numbers, or you may have trouble uh, remembering faces. That's a common one. Or you may sometimes pull up to a stop sign and say, hmm, this is a familiar area, but I don't really remember. Am I supposed to turn left or right? Uh, or you may find that you're losing your train of thought. That's another one. People will develop adult ADD, attention deficit disorder. They'll say, wow, you know, things will just kind of disappear. I'll, I'll start thinking about something. I'm going to do this next and I'll forget about it. All of these things are seen to be normal aging just because they're common, but they're actually not normal when you get right down to pathophysiology. What becomes Alzheimer's disease, what becomes the dementia of Alzheimer's disease actually starts about 20 years before you get a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. That's been well studied, well published. So you can see changes on things like PET scans and spinal fluid about 20 years ahead. So what we used to think when I was training as a neurologist, we used to think, yeah, Alzheimer's is a disease of 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. No, it's actually disease of your 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, which gets diagnosed 20 years later. And as scary as that sounds, the great news, the take-home news is you don't have to get it. It is now optional. So get evaluated for anyone who's 40 or over. Get on active prevention. And let me mention one of the, there's another huge development since you and I talked last time. We've talked about, yeah, you got to go and get a PET scan. Um, it's a pain. They're expensive. Or get a spinal tap. Do you want a spinal tap, Jared? I don't want a spinal tap. <laughs> you know, who wants spinal taps? Right. Well, the great news is there are now blood, simple blood tests available that tell you if you're headed for this. And they're becoming better and they're becoming more of them. Hmm. So the first one, the one that's moved from research now to commercially available is called P-TAU, P-T-A-U, P-TAU-181. And this is a change in your tau that is occurring as you're heading toward Alzheimer's. So everybody should have that test and know, just like knowing your cholesterol and knowing your lipid numbers, you should know whether your P-TAU is going up. And another one that I'm even more excited about not because it's as sensitive and specific, it's not as specific as the PTAU, but it's actually more sensitive. It is an earlier change, which is called GFAP. Now that one is not yet available commercially, but it should be available commercially within the next several months. And this is one that actually goes up about 10 years ahead of time, but it's more nonspecific. So it can tell you something is wrong with my nervous system. I could have had head trauma. I might be getting frontotemporal dementia. I might be getting Alzheimer's. But at least I know if I've got a normal GFAP, things are looking pretty good. And if I have an abnormal GFAP, ah, okay, let's go in. Let's get tested now. Let's see what's causing this. And let's make sure I don't ever slip further. So fantastic. This is a new era, again, with early prevention, early evaluation, and not allowing people to advance to the stage of dementia. So you can get PTAL 181 now. You'll be able to get GFAP pretty soon. There's another one, uh, which, is called, uh, which is called NFL, which is, uh, which is uh, neurofilament light. That's another one you can check. That one is also one 
that is relatively nonspecific. Anything that is damaging your neurons can increase your neurofilament light. And then there's a final one, which is the A-beta 42 to 40 ratio. And there are different groups that do that, uh, such as a C2M, which has one called Precivity. Uh, there's another one, I, I believe now Quest also does 42 to 40 ratio. So, the, the, you know, this is a new era where we now can just look at the blood much more simply. Now, people will say, oh, my gosh, I'm too scared. I don't want to know these things. No, now's the time you do want to know them so that you can absolutely prevent yourself from ever having to climb. My hope is that, you know, 10 years down the road, this is the routine. Nobody needs to get this problem. And we now know enough that we can look at you early on and tell you whether you're on the trail to get this and let's prevent it. Yeah, it really is exciting, all the research that's happening and all of the access that we have now to uh, test the waters and see where we're at. So I appreciate you sharing all that with us. We've got a few minutes left. I The, the next question that... Um, I'm getting asked a lot has to do with a product uh, that was developed by Life Seasons uh, with you uh, in partnership with them called NeuroQ. Now, NeuroQ yes. has easily been our most popular brain supplement we've ever sold. It, it's one of the most popular supplements we've ever sold in the history of vitality and nutrition. And the reason for that, I mean, I, frankly, you came on the show, you talked about it, you explained what it does and how it works and all that. We we had a lot of people get excited about it and try it out. But what blew my mind was how many people used it and very, very quickly after using it, we're reporting really great results uh, yeah. with some of those simple things like where were my car keys and who's that guy and what's his name, yeah. you know, those types of things. But Absolutely. recently, just in the last few months, you introduced something new uh, that is called uh, NeuroQ Extra Strength. Right. And there's one additional ingredient. Uh, talk, talk, to, talk to us about why you added that and, and who might want one versus the other. Great point. Uh, and again, I would go back to if you're starting to have some symptoms, I would go with the extra strength. If you're not starting to have some symptoms, I would go with the, the standard. Okay. But the, the thing about this is, you know, we've done the research over the last 30 years. We now understand much more about the biochemistry, what's actually driving this decline, which is why, why we want to do these evaluations and get these people on specific programs. But we thought, okay, let's put together something that actually addresses the things. When you go for some of these products, it, it, you know, it doesn't address what's actually the common causes of the problems. So what I really like about NeuroQ is it actually addresses the thing. So it has two excellent anti-inflammatories in there. Curcumin has multiple interesting effects. It actually binds to amyloid and helps remove it. It actually binds to the tau. It actually reduces the inflammation. Now, the, another key piece here is when you're now trying to make memories, one of the critical things and the most important neurotransmitter for memory is acetylcholine. So what the Hooperzine A does, which is in the extra strength, it prevents you from degrading the acetylcholine that's there. So it, it basically bumps up your acetylcholine. So again, these, there's nothing magical about these. These are scientifically shown to be specific neurotransmitter-related, lipid-related, inflammation-related, blood flow-related. These are all the things that drive good cognition. 
And that's why I, you know, again, I really appreciate the fact that that Life Seasons actually worked and said, okay, let's talk about what it takes to make a brain function better instead of just trying to do throw in one or two things that has a minimal impact and then trying to convince people this is something that's going to help them. Right. All right. And so, and of course, as I said, we've had great results with it, but the Hooperzine, Hooperzine A, sorry, is a really interesting ingredient to me. And, and maybe in a future episode, uh, uh, I'll, I'll dig into the research a little bit more on that because the research is actually really impressive, uh, yeah. what I've read so far. Now, there's another thing that you've introduced. When I first talked to you uh, well over a year ago now, I think we're almost a year and a half since our first uh, interview, uh, we talked about what supplements you found are maybe the most universal in terms of things that people can take to help with their cognitive function. And the first couple of things out of your mouth back then were magnesium L3 and 8. And then also you mentioned omega-3s being a big deal. Now, recently you've introduced a specific omega-3 with 400 milligrams of DHA in the NeuroQ line. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about why that was put together the way it was. Yeah, great point. And there, again, so many uh, pieces on this. So what happens is uh, some work actually from Professor Wortman from MIT over the years, showing that if you want to make new synapses, you need acetylcholine, which is basically another source of choline, so for your acetylcholine, but you also need DHA. So it is structural for synapses, but then omega-3s are also anti-inflammatory. And then the third piece, they also resolve, uh, as Professor Charles Searhan from Harvard has shown and discovered himself in his laboratory, there's something called resolvins that take ongoing inflammation and help to resolve it. So it's not just about preventing inflammation, it's also about resolving the ongoing inflammation. And as he pointed out, These things are derived, some of them, from omega-3s. So the omega-3 fats have multiple mechanisms that are actually support good cognition. Synaptogenesis, resolution of inflammation, and prevention of of future inflammation. So for all those reasons, it's absolutely critical. And improving your fats, uh, very, very helpful. As I mentioned earlier, I mentioned ketones. There's another study on, interestingly, on just extra virgin olive oil, uh, which has a lot of oleic acid, another good fat. These things, again, good results time after time. And one of the common things that comes up on studies of cognition is the benefits of omega-3s. And this has been published you know, repeatedly by yeah. multiple groups. It's If you had to pick you know, some of the most important things for cognition, uh, omega-3 would be right up there with some of the best. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I always tell people that the research on omega-3 is as tall as I am, which isn't that tall, but it's still still a lot of papers. <laughs> and there's just so much amazing research on it, specifically with neuro, uh, neuro neurological health and also, of course, with inflammation and inflammation, you know, Alzheimer's, uh, is right there with the inflammation, but also diabetes, and which of course we're Alzheimer's and diabetes are closely linked. All of these things that we're dealing with in America that people are getting in their 40s, that they're getting in their 50s and 60s uh, in other countries uh, have inflammatory links that are very, very uh, closely tied to them uh, based on what I can tell. 
So we have about two minutes left, Dr. Bredesen, and I'm I'm really curious about this last question, and then I'm going to let you go. So you talked about fats. My experience listening to all the other podcasts that talk about these kind of things, there's a whole bunch of people talking about fat right now. We're talking right. about omega-3s. We're talking about omega-6s. We're talking about inflammatory fl- fats. One of the big, most common uh, things that people are talking about is the avoidance of seed oils, which a lot of people yeah. don't even understand what that means. I'm curious your take on what are the healthy fats? What are the fats we want to eliminate as much as we can from our diets? What's what's your take on that? Yes, yeah, such a good point. And you know, you can measure a lot of these things now, which is fantastic. So, of course, we we the, you know, and it's important. People always say, "Oh my God, we don't want a high fat diet." Well, high good fats, yes. Yeah. Low bad fats. So number one, trans fats. These are artificial fats that come from partially hydrogenating things, putting them under pressure, making things, uh, you know, like like Crisco and stuff like that. We want to avoid trans fats. Everyone agrees on that. Then secondly, we need omega threes, six and nines, but it's the ratio that can be dangerous. So we'd like to see. You want to look at your six to three ratio. Six are the pro-inflammatory fats. So you, you, but you need to have a little bit of six. So we want your ratio to be anywhere from one to one up to four to one, but the typical American diet, 15 to one. So things like linoleic acid, which is an omega six, highly inflammatory. No, we don't want that. So we want to get you down here in the one to one to four to one ratio for six to three. You've got to also have some nines. And then by the way, that's uh, that's in uh, extra virgin olive oil, for example. And then um, you want to make sure that your arachidonic acid, which is again the, another pro-inflammatory marker, uh, is not too high. So your, your AA to EPA ratio, um, and that's the EPA is icosa pentaenoic acid. So EPA, um, and that is another omega-3. So you want to get these the pro-inflammatory to the anti-inflammatory, not too high. So not too high on the AA to EPA, not too high on the omega-6 to omega-3. So all of those are absolutely critical. Now with that, having good fats um, can actually be very good. And by the way, your brain, uh, the Ayurvedic physicians of thousands of years ago called the brain fat because they say that there's a lot of fat there. Uh, and so you need some fat. What happens when you lower you, you you lower your cholesterol too much? When you lower your fat too much, your brain shrinks, unfortunately, and that is associated with atrophy. So uh, this is why key to have the appropriate fats. All right, and of course, this is uh, you've got another appointment. Um, you're, I know you're in demand all the time, and I really appreciate you taking this time with me and my listeners today. It's been another fascinating conversation. We're going to link to all of the things you talked about in the show description, and I'm going to let you go. Thank you for joining me again on Vitality Radio. Look forward to talking to you again. Let's keep up the conversation. There's so much new, as you mentioned, this area is just exploding, and we're getting to a point again where nobody should have cognitive decline. So let's work together with all of us to make sure that happens.
Excellent. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Jared. Okay, that was Dr. Dale Bredesen. I've got just a couple minutes to wrap up here, and I want to mention a couple of things because we did run out of time a little bit. He had another meeting he had to run to and is a very, very busy man. Um, on this conversation about fats and the supplements, I want to make sure that I give you a little bit more clear, clear of a if I can talk, a more clear picture uh, on what we're talking about here. So, of course, we talked about the NeuroCue. NeuroCue, uh, focus and memory. There's two. There's the extra strength and the original strength. He says if you've got no symptoms but you're wanting to prevent, the original strength is great. If you've got some symptoms, you're concerned about your decline uh, potentially, then the extra strength is even better. I will say that for years we've been selling now, for a couple of years, the uh, regular NeuroQ and people are getting symptom relief and having really good success with that. So it's been great. Um, the omega-3 is a critical, critical thing. Now, NeuroQ has a supplement that's very high in DHA. Uh, but to be clear, if you're taking a really great omega-3 that has the EPA like he talked about and the DHA, you're going to have uh, what you need. You just want to make sure you're getting a really great one. My two favorites are the Vital 5 Omega, which of course is my brand, uh, and I love that. It's loaded with both EPA and DHA, but also the Natural Factors Ultra RX Omega is fantastic as well. You can also use the um, the NeuroQ, which has the high DHA, if you'd like to try that and see how that works for you. But uh, across the board, all great products for that purpose. I uh, personally take a the uh, Natural Factors Omega-3 liquid uh, because I take enough capsules as it is. And uh, so I use a liquid, but uh, whatever of those works for you is going to be great. The Magnesium 3 and 8, uh, Think Magnesium from uh, Cal is my favorite of the Magnesium 3 and 8s on the market, is another one that he has uh, strongly recommended as a supplement. But when it comes to fat, I'm, I'm releasing... They're not releasing. It's the wrong word. I'm posting. I'm so not a social media guru. I apologize. I guess it's because I'm almost 51 years old, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to get with the program here. Anyway, posting a really cool link uh, that I saw, or actually, I guess it's just an image uh, that lists all the different omega fats um, that or, or all the different fats, I guess, food source fats, safflower, sunflower, olive oil, fish oil, um, coconut oil, palm oil, they're all on there. And it tells you how much omega-6 is in each one of those oils. Now, there's a lot of issues with fats, plenty of issues with fats for sure. The, the way they're refined, there's a whole bunch of things there. But just the omega-3 percentage and omega-6 percentage matter a lot. So I've got that up on my social medias. Um, I'm going to, I'll, uh, I think I can link to those in the show description as well, but you can check it out. It's a really handy little guide, super simple. It's one little image, but uh, when you're looking at oils, if you're not quite ready to give up all your seed oils like I've done recently, uh, which is no fun. I'm, I'm not going to tell, <laughs> tell you it's been great. There's a lot of things I can't eat anymore, uh, but it's forcing me to make food at home more, which I think is great. So that's okay. Anyway, that little image is really, really useful too. There's a ton to talk about with all of this for sure. I, there's just 
so much fascinating information. And of course, Dr. Bredesen is just a wealth, a wealth of knowledge and information for us. And I loved having him on the show again. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. If you have questions, call us 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. We do have the new NeuroQ formulas on vitalitynutrition.com. If you want to check those out, they're all on sale as well. And uh, you can also get us uh, get us in store, get them in store uh, at Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful. You can call us or you can jump on the website, VitalityNutrition.com. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.